Hello, and welcome to the second of a two-part conversation on helping kids who are caught up in the midst of family violence in their home. I'm Lee Hatcher. The Family Clinic Specialist Practitioners, David DiPietro and Diana Costa, are the husband and wife social worker and psychologist duo from the Resilience Centre, leading the field in their work and research into supporting separated families through what's often a very challenging adjustment. They joined us in part one with great wisdom on how to talk with kids about what's happening around them. This time, beyond those conversations, what can we do to help a kid navigate a relationship with an abusive parent. Diana, David, welcome back. Great to see you. Good to see you again. Thanks, Lee. So what are the factors we need to think about to help a kid through this pretty troubled relationship? One of the biggest and most challenging jobs for you as the caring parent is to help your child navigate their relationship with the abusive parent. Maintaining contact with both parents can be of benefit for some children as long as it's safe. Yes. You need it to be safe. Yeah. A child who has lived this experience is likely to have a mixed bag of really confusing feelings about the parent who has harmed the other parent or in some cases themselves or their brothers and sisters. Regardless of if the abusive parent still lives at home, sees the child sometimes or has no contact, the child and parent still have a relationship. Yes, indeed. I'm not the expert, but I'm sure one of the big things to say to a parent helping a child is that you don't actually have to do this on your own. Yeah, that's right. If a parent has concerns, there are a bunch of really helpful services that can be utilised. Contact a domestic violence advocate, a lawyer or the police domestic violence liaison officer someone has a really good knowledge about domestic violence and and they can help make plans and keep everybody safe those people are there yeah Yeah. that's right with pearls of wisdom in some cases supervised child contact services may even be appropriate so giving an opportunity for the child to maintain a relationship with their parent in a really safe and controlled setting yeah which is something that we provide Actually, our family clinic specialist practitioners provide therapeutic child contact sessions. Okay. So that's a little different where we offer an opportunity for parents to demonstrate and rehearse their parenting skills and continue to build that relationship with their child. We provide observations and coaching support to help parents activate strategies that supports the development of their child. Sometimes they haven't been brought up in a an environment where they've learnt those strategies themselves and they just need someone to, to help them navigate that. There's no doubt that a child in the midst of family violence will have a whole range of swirling emotions about life, their life, family. Take us through the kinds of emotions that are on show there and how a parent can help. Yeah, most children have complicated feelings about the abusive parent, as you can imagine. They may feel worried, afraid, angry or sad, which is what you would kind of expect. One of the most common emotions that children experience when it comes to processing their parents' violence is actually confusion. They may feel confused because the person who's hurting others in their family is also the one that is loving and fun. Yes. At times, as you can imagine, that's a really confused position to be in. And different with different people in the family. That's right, that's right. Many children feel that the abuse was their fault, not the abusive parents. Sometimes children can even blame the targeted parent for the violence. You know, those thoughts around, you know, if if you hadn't have 
approached him, he wouldn't have hurt you. Mm, yeah, or even once parents separate, children can actually blame that targeted parent for them being the reason why they don't have a relationship with their other parent. How complicated. Yeah. yeah. They may think that they have to choose between loving one parent or the other. Yeah. Don't expect your kids to have the same feelings that you do about the other parent as well because sometimes those feelings can be vastly different. Yeah. It's important just to listen and to accept their feelings and views. I'm interested in one particular model that's used in helping with these dynamics. It's a triangle. I think it would be really helpful for you to tell us about that. The drama triangle, it's a dynamic model of social interaction and conflict development and it's developed by Dr. Stephen Cartman. Okay. The model simply draws a triangle and places persecutor, victim and rescuer at each point of the triangle. And Dr. Cartman and others point out that these roles are roles that people play unconsciously or try to get other people to play. They're not actual circumstances in someone's life. Okay. So persecutors often criticize and blame the victim. They can be controlling, they can be rigid, angry and unpleasant. Victims see themselves as powerless and helpless. In that role, people can have a hard time solving problems and making decisions. They look to someone to take up the rescuer role, to alleviate some of the tension in the side of the triangle that connects the persecutor to the victim. Yes. And rescuers work really hard at helping others to feel better, often putting their own needs last. This behavior can become quite easily reinforced and become a favored role of that person. In a case where a mother and a father have conflict in their relationship, a child might place themselves into the role of rescuer. They may get in between parents that are physically fighting. Or maybe they side with a parent in an attempt to, you know, tip the scale of power into balance. Yes. I had a conversation with an adult child uh, of a separated family. So in her early 20s now, she spoke about her repeated traumas that she was subjected to. And she actually made a decision in her early teens to go and live with her abusive father and have no contact with her mum after her parents had separated. She did that to protect her mum from her dad because she believed that if the father perceived the mother to have won in any way, that he would be of significant threat to her. Wow. Still at that point, yeah. Yeah. So you can see how they've stepped in to save the other parent. Too right. And put herself in just such a dangerous position. I know that in some cases a parent may try to recruit the child so the two of them gang up on the other parent. What can you do to help everybody in that case? Yeah, so that's right. In the, in the victim role, that's more likely to happen. In my practice, I've heard stories where children have told me they've been kidnapped by their parent, uh, their parents stolen money from the other parent, and even stopped them from going to a school that they wanted to go to. In some cases where kids are really reluctant to come to therapy. I've even heard that it's the other parent's fault that they have to come to therapy. Wow. So all of these actions pull adults and children into that triangle and yes. create drama. Yes. So bringing awareness to the triangle and recognizing when you and others are in that triangle is step one. And the roles that you're playing. Absolutely. Right, yeah. Then roles can change as well. Yes. Even in an I wondered interaction. that. Yeah. yeah. We can take on different roles at different times in a single interaction. Especially once their awareness has been brought to the fact that they particularly step into a role over and over again. Yeah. 
But the next step is to get out of that triangle, okay. refuse to fall into that role. While it's often unconscious and emotional triggers can pull us in, awareness and positive action can help us get out. I'm sure that's the case. I think one of the most significant aspects of your approach is to talk about the strengths that parents can help their kids identify and even nourish. What kind of strengths are they, Diana, first? Resilience. Yes, of course. You know, the ability to bounce back after a setback. They've been through an extremely traumatic experience and you can only try and bounce back from that type of adversity and that gives you the opportunity to do so. And so without that adversity, resilience can't form. One other thing is caring. Yes. Being concerned for your child's well-being and tenacity, you know, that determination to find a way to be safe, for your family to be safe. And hopefulness, having hope for the future, personal strengths, getting through difficulties, learning from them, growing. That sense of responsibility, providing for your child, and also commitment. View the well-being of your child as number one. Yeah. Top priority. And communication, being able to talk and listen to your child, really listen to them. Sharing activities and take time together with your children. That'd be so valuable. Are there specific ways that a child can be helped beyond your great wisdom so these scars and experiences don't actually define or damage their entire life? Because it'd be tricky to avoid. What a great question. Well, Dan Siegel, an American psychiatrist and author of some of my favourite books on brain development, on trauma, on parenting stresses, he says that it's important for all of us to be able to create a story of our experiences that's coherent and integrated. So that means that it's processed by both hemispheres of our brain. That is that we need to be able to make logical sense with our left brain of our raw emotion, our right brain. That's interesting. There's some really creative and effective ways that we work with children who have experienced family violence in therapy. We use drawing, playing, and there's really a a lot more. But a really common and effective way of beginning to do this work is through journaling and personal reflection. Yes. Getting kids involved in writing down their memories and helping them process them, their day-to-day experiences and emotions is a really great way to start that integration process. The zygarnic effect helps us to understand that once we process memories, we're better able to let them go. If not, those memories, triggers and accompanying uncomfortable feelings will likely keep coming up. Can I just finish with probably a personal question away from your wisdom and specialty? I'd like to know what this whole process does either to you or for you, probably at both ends of the spectrum as you involve yourself in this work. Lee, when I first meet a young person, I talk to them about what they can expect when they talk to me. And one of the things that I say to them is that I think I have the best job in the world. Wow. And I get really excited about it because it is tough and it definitely needs a lot of care and attention, but it is so rewarding to be able to sit with people and experience their emotions with them it it really is such a privilege Diana? I would have answered that question quite differently before I'd 
had three children of my own, I think that having, having children has definitely changed my perspective on pretty much everything in life. Yes. Once I became a mother myself, I became more sensitive in my awareness around how raw these issues are and how deep-seated they can be. And I think that's empowered me to put even more into my work than I thought I was previously. Yeah. I think I hug my kids differently at the yeah. end of each yeah, day. That's well. interesting. Yeah, definitely. I could just say what a great mum and dad you no doubt are. Thank you so much indeed for sharing great wisdom and some confronting experiences and perspectives on life, but um, so helpful. Thank you. Thank you Lee. so much. Thank, you. Thank you. you. You've been listening to another podcast from the Resilience Centre. I'm Lee Hatcher. You'll find the library of all our other podcast conversations and so many other great resources at www.theresiliencecentre.com.au.